Welcome to the WP SEO Show, brought to you by SEO Hive, your proactive white label SEO partner. The WP SEO Show is all about talking WordPress and SEO from optimizations, structures, setups, and plugins. We explore how to make your WordPress website perform better in the search engines. Here are your hosts, Pete Everett and Jeff Patch. Hello and welcome to this episode of the WP SEO Show. Today I'm not joined by my co-host Jeff, um, largely because he didn't want to get out of bed. It's uh, what? It's 11 a.m. here in the UK, so it's about 3 a.m. in California. And uh, I'm sorry, Matt, he didn't want to get out of bed to talk to you. So, um, so it... <laughs> I can understand. Uh, I am joined, though, by uh, a friend of mine who's been a client who's uh, we've I'm trying to think when we when we first met, actually, I'm guessing it must have been through the COVID years. Is yeah, something about yeah it was right. a few years ago, for sure. It was a few years ago. Um, but former, well, former client, still current client, but uh, somebody that's certainly become a friend. Mr. Matthew Lasky, welcome to the show. Hello, Pete. Uh Thank you very much. Thanks for uh, having me. This is actually my first podcast. So um, yeah, a little bit nervous, but hopefully it will go well. It'll be absolutely fine. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be gentle and uh, we'll, we'll sort of ease into it and it'll all be good. Matt's, Matt's here because he's written a book and uh, we're going to get onto that in a few minutes. But Matt, before we, before we do sort of venture into the themes around the book, um, do you want to sort of introduce yourself a little bit, give a little bit about your background and tell the boys and girls at home a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, no problem. So yeah, I'm going to show my age a little bit here, but I've been working in the web industry um, one way or another for around the last 20 years or so. Um, and I've owned my own agency. Um, I've worked in digital agencies in London. I've managed teams and departments. I've worked from a junior designer all up to sort of creative director, head of design, head of design and marketing. So um been through lots of lots of tests, learned lots of lessons along the way. And I've worked for some really kind of small boutique, interesting companies and also some huge giants, right? So I've worked with Vodafone, BBC, Harrods, UEFA, um, some huge corporates all the way down to some really small agencies. Um, and yeah, lots of lessons learned. And um, when I was first starting out, there wasn't that much material to help you along the way, especially literature, you know, and that's what kind of got me thinking about um, writing something to help others along that journey. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because you're dead right. There isn't, there isn't like a sort of, um, <laughs> sort of publication. Nobody really talks too much about, okay, so this is how you work in an agency. This is, this is what the job roles are. These are the, these are the sort of, um, processes by which you need to, you know, you, you need to learn or you could be efficient, et cetera, et cetera. Instead, it's, it's very much, you learn your craft and then all of a sudden you chucked in an office with a whole load of people. You certainly were 20 years ago. Um, you chucked in an office with a whole load of people and these people are kind of expected to get projects that come in the door successfully finished and out the door at the other end. And, and, uh, you know, with it goes the invoicing and, and, mm. oh, oh, look, we all still have a job next month. Um, so it, it, you're dead right. It is, it is kind of a, a process that hasn't been documented too much about the actual process of working for an agency. And I'm, I'm guessing that 
largely comes from the fact that a lot of agencies literally start with just a single person and you know they they do grow from there and you kind of just crack on with the with the work so have you seen because i know you now operate your own um your own thing so have you seen a difference in kind of working up through the agency sizes and then then coming back to being on your own how's how's that kind of transition gone for you yeah so um i think that um going through agencies i've noticed that communication is key really um i think that what i've noticed over the years so i guess just talking in in general here and you might find this with your kind of more seo point as well is that you don't have to be the most talented person out there but if you are good at communicating and communicating your ideas and communicating what you want to achieve then that can go a long way because i've worked Mm -hmm. with some of the most talented designers out there um, and some good copywriters and seo teams as well but sometimes they find it really hard to communicate why they've done what they've done Um, and when a client or even someone internally starts to interrogate their work they can really kind of flounder and and get a bit flustered and almost and and get upset as well as why is someone disrespecting my work why are they interrogating what i've done and why aren't they just doing exactly what i've said without asking me any awkward questions about it and um and i think you you learn that through the hard way um and if you aren't receptive to getting negative feedback and criticism uh, and reflecting on that, then it's very hard to develop and progress. And I think some people can just get, can just stay in that pigeonhole and they're fine as a, as a person, as long as no one's critiquing them or, or trying to, um, you know, or challenging what they've done and they kind of fall down there. And I think um, a lot of lessons I've learned along the way is that, when you do get critiqued or criticized, you need to be able to be tough and take that and then and develop that further and try and understand why have you done what you've done and what's the reasoning. And even if someone doesn't like your work, whether it's writing or whether it's a photo you've chosen or whether it's, um, you know, graphic design, as long as you can articulate why you've done what you've done and it was to the brief, then you can have a mature conversation about why it's right and, and maybe um, you need to work around that. The, you've raised some very good points there. And the, 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 there's two things I'd like to pick up from that. One is, one is that particularly when you come to design, a lot of design is subjective, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can design something that's perfectly, perfectly sound, but because I don't like purple, I'm not going to like it. And it, it's it, it's entirely subjective. There's an element of it that's entirely subjective. So you're right. You do mm. need to you do need to be able to think through and rationalise some of the things that you're doing, not just because it looks pretty, but because it because it's actually there to serve a purpose. Um. So, you, so that, that's the first thing. You do need to be able to to sort of take a bit of criticism, but also be prepared to to sort of stand to your guns a little bit and and uh, and explain why you've done certain things. But the other thing, which I don't see a lot of people doing all the time, is um, is kicking back to the client occasionally, and not not to say, oh well, I'm right and you're wrong, kind of thing. But we're having a website uh, or building websites is often related to either either having your car serviced seems to be one of the metaphors that's used quite a lot, or building houses. 
And they, mm. they seem to be the, the two examples you often get when, when you talk about building building websites or designing websites. And in neither, neither metaphor would you go to a mechanic or a builder and tell him how to build something you might say what you like what you don't like where you want the walls you know maybe maybe more with the builder than the mechanic but you'd never go back to him and say oh well i would lay the bricks this way or i Mm. would use xyz bolt in the car or xyz oil in the engine you'd leave that to the the profession of the mechanic and it it's kind of got to be the same with with design agencies as well we're we're so wrapped up in pleasing the client in always in always saying yes to the client because we want them to be happy and pay the bill Mm. that actually we've got to remember that every project should be a collaboration they've come to work with us as the web professional yeah so you're allowed to have an opinion (laughs) yeah um and it's how you go about about articulating that that's really the the key part to that yeah and i think they're expecting you to have an opinion and you will lose i think they will respect you less if you don't have opinion on something and you don't not necessarily have to stand your ground but give the opinion on why you are the authority right because as you said they've hired you for a reason they're doing a business that does x and all you do all day is you're consumed with the web and the seo and the marketing and design and graphics whatever it is you're consumed in that world and you live and breathe it and they don't. So it's very valid for us to say, well, hang on a sec. If you want to achieve this within three months, if we go down that road, you're pushing us to, we don't think you're going to achieve it because of this, because this photography looks really dated, you know, I'm sorry, but it does. Um, But, you know, maybe we need to work on your brand or, these pages that you want to create that are funnel pages, this is what was done maybe 10 years ago, right? And the new thing to do now is is this because mobile is what we're trying to achieve. So I think there's definitely um, definitely a time and a place to challenge the client. And I think a step before that is just understanding what does what does the client want to achieve? And do they under, do they really know what they want to achieve? Um, And there's a really good book by um, Steve Harrison, who's a creative director. He worked at Ogilvy and some massive brand agencies. And he says that maybe, I guess, two, a third of of the briefing process should be about just trying to understand and research what the client wants, just to really get your head into it Um, and then define it right. And once you've developed that and you agree it if the client changes their mind they kind he says it's like going to a restaurant and a client has ordered steak and when the steak comes out good choice the client yeah well the client looks at it and goes oh, do you know what i'm looking at this steak but i don't fancy it now i want chicken and if if the um if the client says that to the waiter the waiter will say well you can have chicken but you're going to have to pay for that steak and there's going to be a delay right on your order and you're not going to get it at the same time as we promised. And it's kind of like that in design um, where if a client says they want something and we do it to that specification and then when they receive it, they go, well, I'm looking at it, but I don't want this now. Yeah. And they've changed their mind. So you need to be able to discuss that with the client and say, well, look, 
you know, the client is always right, but we have agreed to do this that was over here and you've changed your mind. And we've got this briefing document that says this is what we were trying to achieve. It's fine for us to change that, but there's going to be a delay and we'll need some more budget and we're going to have to rethink how we do this stuff. So, um, yeah, I think there is a time to challenge the client and also to really try and get under the skin of what they actually want, which is which is not always as easy as it sounds. So uh, we, we were having this discussion in the pre-chat before the, before the show. Mm-hmm. There are very much two types of people that listen to this show. Some are design agencies, digital agencies. And I'd say that's that's more than half of the listenership of the show from the feedback that we get. But then we also have a group of people that do have WordPress websites and are trying to do SEO on them, hence they're listening to the WPSEO show. Mm. And uh, and they, they don't necessarily sit within the sort of agency land. But uh, I, the reason I'm mentioning this right now is just to sort of say, if you're in that second group, don't tune out now because actually it's, some of the stuff we're talking about is just really good practice for you to understand if you are trying to do something with your website. And um, it, it works. It obviously helps agencies with their workflow. Absolutely. But if if you are taking on your own website and you're trying to uh, you know, help it rank in Google for particular keywords or develop a new section to it or, you know, whatever it might be understanding what you're trying to achieve and having that as the kind of line in the sand is really the key first step and i know this is where this is where we can segue very nicely into your book because your book is called uh how to write a web design brief if i'm not mistaken how to um, close how to take a web design brief how to take <laughs> a web design brief almost <laughs> I knew I was going to stuff it up. And uh, in fairness, Matt was, if you're watching this on YouTube, Matt was holding a copy of the book right next to the camera before we recorded. And I made him put it behind the plant. So it was always there, which means I couldn't now read the title. Um, (laughs) How to take a web design brief. And I know from the, the work we've done with you around the book that having uh understanding that achievement process is one of the if not the first key uh key point that you make isn't it yeah exactly that and um yeah if we think about i guess some of your listeners that as you said they may not be having an agency they may just have their own website and they're doing seo and and wordpress with it we do a lot of or in the book there's some competitor analysis right so we have this quadrant uh, when we're doing our research part before we even meet the client. Like where where do we think they are on this quadrant of um, of I guess web design or how would we do it? Just just where the quality of their website is, and you can have these different areas of the quadrant. So you could have aspirational versus um, achievable, and you can have luxury versus um, approachable, and that sort of. Uh, different different axes than the X and the Y. And then you can plot where you think you are on that axis uh, against your competitors. And you can kind of see where your competitors are as well. And maybe one of your objectives is to, is to be like the most premium brand out there. And you can kind of competitor analyze and see how other people do that and what have you. Um, so there's quite a lot of work that goes into the research phase in terms of... Um, competitor analysis, understanding your brand, you know, what do people say about you when you're not in the room is a famous mm-hmm. quote from Jeff Bezos is, you know, how do people think about your brand? How do you want to be perceived? Is, 
for instance, if you have that kind of SEO and that WordPress, is all your imagery related to each other? Does it have a familiar vibe to it so that when someone say, sees your blog or your article or your product that you've got, does it always look consistent with each other so they always have uh, that feeling to it so that as soon as you see it you know it's part of your um of your family um and then we send out a design questionnaire or we've i recommend to send out always send out a design questionnaire to to the client or whether it's internal or external that has a long list of um questions around how you want to be perceived your kind of brand what's the what's the five things that someone should think about you within the nanosecond they look on your website, right? Is it approachability? Is it luxury? Is it modern? Whatever those things are, how does that, um, yeah, how should that come across on the website? Um, so I think maybe that would be an interesting activity to do on your own website. So if you own your own website, Maybe you should do your own questionnaire, which is what I've done myself for, for my own websites and working with people. You know, fill out the questionnaire yourself, find out, go quite deep into what you're trying to achieve and what your brand is and how you want to be perceived. What are your values? And then make sure they can resonate throughout the website. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what, it, regardless of whether you're an agency or non-agency listening to that, it's worth doing it for your own website. Um, mm -hmm. Because it gets it, it, it shows you the challenges that you're going to face in, in uh, answering some of these questions. So if you if you are then an agency that's helping a client through this process in the future, you've been through it yourself, you can understand some of the things that are going to be going through the client's head as you're presenting them with this information, and or with these questions. And I can, I can, Honestly, you know, I, I can remember times where we've been, I've been sat in briefing meetings and clients have sat across the table and said, well, why the heck do you want to know that? And it's, mm. you know, uh, it, you, you, this is a collaboration. This is, mm. uh, we need to, at the end of the day, I think it's very, it's very easy for agencies to get caught up in trying to please the client. It's very, it's very easy for the client to get caught up in what they want what they like what they dislike and actually neither of those are really the target audience of a website because the the target audience of the website is your clients customers um yeah. so it, it's really them that we're trying to communicate with and uh and, and you know as you say then put this brand in front of them that that pulls on the heartstrings or communicates in the way however you want to phrase it that attracts the right customers and that's that's another thing that i think is really important when you're doing these these briefs is to not only understand what it is you're trying to achieve but also trying to understand things you're not trying to achieve you know if if um with, with seo clients i often say to people you know it's quite easy to get a hundred thousand people to look at a website but trying to get a thousand people that want to buy what you're trying to sell at the time they need it is a very different challenge and it it's kind of the same with branding you, it, you like we were talking about with opinions you want people to have an opinion of your brand because those people that it doesn't resonate with aren't probably aren't the right customers for you anyway yeah and i think that's a really good point because in the book we talk about um there's a tension on a website right there's a tension between what you want to achieve as the owner of the website whether you're the client or the, the agency working for the client to produce something and then there's what the actual user wants from the website right so 
as a user, I might, I might just be in my research phase. So I'm just looking around multiple websites and I want to research whatever it is, a pair of new trainers, right? So, and I'm one of these people that will probably research for like a month before I purchase something. <laughs> so I might go on six different websites and I'm just researching, okay? Now, as an agency or a, an owner of the website, you just want me to purchase it. Or you just want me to, if I don't purchase it, to fill in a form, right? To fill in mm -hmm. a form so that I sign up and I get 10% off my first order. But as the tension there is that I don't want to do any of that because I'm still in my research phase. I just want to understand what's the fit like? What color options have I got? Is it the best value? Are you the best company for me to buy this from? So I don't want to do any of the stuff that you're trying to get me to do. And there's a tension there. And if you don't, think about the end user as you said if you don't think about the target audience then there is a gap missing and trying to understand you can see heat maps and you can look at conversion rates but without actually speaking to the users and maybe doing some surveys and doing some user testing then you will miss out on those kind of golden nuggets of information of what does a researcher want in that phase how can we help this person and maybe we should change our language maybe we should have some other things that help them in, in that area. So yeah, I think there's definitely um, things within the book that talk about, you know, how to think about your users, do some audience personas. What is that, the understanding that tension between what the website is trying to achieve and what the user is trying to achieve is actually key to improving those conversion rates and, and getting what you need out of it. Absolutely. And, you know, for, for those clients that are, or for those agencies that are trying to build meaningful relationships with clients, because let's face it, if, if you are an agency, a meaningful relationship with a client goes way beyond a just a website project. Um, I don't mean that to belittle, I use the word just, I don't mean that to belittle website projects in any way, but uh, you know, a, a, a client can be way more valuable to your business as an agency than just the website itself. And, but the, you know, We've built hundreds of, of good-looking websites, but the clients that we work with more regularly that have the, that life value beyond the website are the ones that where we haven't just created a nice-looking website, but we've actually done something, we've created something that has made a difference to their business, and yeah. it's it's delivering for them in a, in a better way. And mm. guess what? When it delivers for them in a better way and they have more money to spend and they want to then improve it, guess who they come to? The guy mm. that's given them the leg up in the first place to deliver the thing in the better way. So yeah. it, it the whilst it may seem like such a small overlooked part of a web design process and i get it you know we all have our talents we all have our things that we enjoy designers ultimately want to design they don't want to go through the admin of taking briefs and, and all this kind of stuff um but if you get that bit nailed if you get that bit right it transforms the way that your client relationships are going to work over a period of time yeah exactly um and there's lessons in there of which I just wish I'd have learned when I first started out in terms of being prepared, like being prepared on how to talk to, to clients and people internally as well, because um, one of the hardest lessons was just when I, when I had a client presentation and um, 
I thought I could wing it. And I'm sure there's lots of people out there that have done this where I'll just wing it. You know, I know my stuff. I've been doing it a while and it looks pretty good what I've done. So I'm sure it will be fine and the client will be happy. Um, and I went to this meeting with myself and a project manager and it was for a law firm. Um, and I was quite young and I just thought, well, the designs will stand up for themselves and this could be anything, right? It could be your SEO stuff and whatever. It stands up for itself to scrutiny and I'm sure it would be fine. And we went to this law firm uh, in the city of London and it was the largest boardroom you've ever seen in your life. It was huge. <laughs> it was massive, very intimidating. And there was this huge um, horseshoe shaped um, desk. I'll never forget it where myself and the project manager sat on one side and then we had a team of about seven lawyers on the other side and you felt <laughs> like you're on trial and I just got nervous I just got really nervous and I was looking down at my notes and I didn't have any didn't have any notes like the cardinal sin of going to a client meeting is not having any notes and um, we had some printouts of some web stuff we had a projector that was showing it on the big screen as well and I got up to talk and I just had nothing to say. And it really struck me that I hadn't done my preparation properly. I haven't got what I needed to discuss with the client. I didn't even have a brief of what we were trying to achieve. So mm -hmm. the project manager was so embarrassed for me that he pulled me down and then he took over the meeting. And I just had this dry mouth, this sweating, palpitations. And that was the day that I decided to never let anything that bad happen again. So from that day, I think this is true in a lot of industries that your worst moment, you never ever want that to happen again, right? So you do anything to avoid that. So you will work twice as hard, you'll do twice as much research, you'll read twice as many things. But it taught me another lesson that when you are presenting to a client, when you are talking to a client, this is a big opportunity to show your credentials and your authority in what you're talking about, right? So, and I don't mean credentials as in your degrees and whatever you've got, it's just your knowledge of what you're talking about. So you need the client to believe in you and to trust what you're saying and to feel comfortable that you're the person that's gonna lead them over this next 18 month project, right? So for SEO, you could be on a, it's not worth doing a two month or a three month. You want to get them on an 18 month contract and you want to make sure that they have enough um, time for you to deliver to the KPIs that they want. If your first meeting is flustered, you're unprepared, you don't understand really what the brief is, that client's going to be second guessing you from then on, right? So it's really important to be prepared from, from the get go and to have to give them the impression that they're really happy they've made the right choice to work with you and they're confident in the decisions that you're you're making on their behalf and, and that collaboration. And there's going to be bumps in the road, right? There's going to be months where your SEO goes down uh, or it's not as good as it was. And they'll be much more forgiving of that if they trust your judgment and they trust the way that you're communicating, you know? And if you struggle to communicate, then I think that that will cause a lot of headaches for you further down that road. Yeah, you're dead right. You know, I I was thinking of a couple of a couple of things while you were saying that. We've all had we've all had nightmare meetings like that. Um, mm. I I remember the first 
I used to work at a large e-commerce agency. I, I mentioned this before on the show. And uh, we had this, um, there was about 30 of us that worked in this agency. And every every so often, I think it was about twice a year, we used to have these team days. And we had this guy come in about uh, on one of these team days to coach us all on uh, efficient time management. And he was very much about time blocking. But basically, that that was the, the crux of his... Uh, the crux of his training with us so we i took him at his word and the thought right well you know he, he was about time blocking but then also grouping together tasks of a similar um similar nature so i had uh i was head of department and i had the 12 most valuable digital marketing accounts they all sat under my management and uh then i had staff under me that had other accounts and so I decided that it would make best use of my time to try and get all my client meetings in the same week. And I managed to get 11 of 12 to meet me in a single working week. And I basically spent the entire week in the boardroom, mm. uh, blocked block the whole thing out. Nobody else could have a meeting. It annoyed the hell out of everybody else because they, they all had to go somewhere else to, to, if they wanted to see a client. And uh, by the end of the week, I'd... I couldn't talk. I had a sore throat. Um, I was, you know, I, I, I was physically drained. Uh, I yeah. was absolutely shattered. And I couldn't remember, because I had literally meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, I'd make some very sketchy notes about what we were, what we talked about, what the, the action points were. But I hadn't then kind of offloaded that into the project management system. I hadn't delegated anything. I hadn't formed them into proper proper tasks for the month, you know, workable actions for the month. So I got to the end of the week, I had to go back in on the following Monday and try and make sense of 11 meetings worth of notes. And it was all because I hadn't, I hadn't put the, I'd taken this guy to literally on his word and I hadn't put the process in place for before and after a meeting. And that, that was really where it dawned on me about this whole, look, they're, they're coming to me as the professional type thing. I need to mm-hmm. be, I need to be on my game for these meetings and that means I need some prep time beforehand. I should never yeah. go into a meeting cold, and I mm-hmm. need some time after it in order to uh, in order to process what we've just spoken about while it's fresh in my head, so I can delegate mm-hmm. stuff, so I can write stuff down, so that I know what the tasks are, so I can come back to it. You know, you very much a case of kind of uploading the information before the meeting and downloading it after the meeting, so that you can you can put it to bed and, and come back to it when you're actually doing your, your task work. Yeah. And, it was look I, i'm it's now at least eight years later because i left there eight years ago and i'm still talking about it i can still remember it so we've all had it those that it really does and yeah. you you have to you have to learn to take these things seriously you are a yeah. you are the professional they are coming mm-hmm. to you you need time to get on your game you need to whether that's whether that's you know even things like the hour before a meeting, what you're going to do is you're going to stop all of the project work an hour before a call. You're going to take a 15-minute comfort break or whatever to, to you know distance yourself from work you've done before. You're then going to have half an hour's worth of prep time, and then you're going to, I don't know, what chill out, or they might arrive early or whatever. You've got a buffer at the other end. Whilst that that might be all you do but if if you take nothing else from this call apart from this and go and buy matt's book then review it in a month's time with all the client meetings you've had 
and see how your performance has improved over the course of the next the next few weeks and it will feel weird the first time you do it but mm. you know what you you will have far more productive meetings you'll therefore produce far more productive products off the back of those meetings and likewise at the other end make sure you don't have another meeting scheduled immediately Mm. have a have a period have a process to download that stuff be it pre-made forms that you've that you've made or you know project management templates or whatever whatever it's going to be that works for you it really can be a complete game changer but those those meetings in particular a bit like briefs are often just taken so much for granted it's untrue yeah and i think there is that energy sapping right because i in the book i talk about there's when you ask a question there's multiple things that you have to handle as you're managing that meeting so you ask a question you have to and this sounds ridiculous but you have to listen to the answer yeah but whilst you're listening to the answer you need to think well is there a follow-up question have i or have i just had a really good idea that I literally, my brain can't stop thinking about. So you need to have a way to note down that idea whilst also keep listening to the client as they're talking because you don't want to stop their flow. And then, you know, while you're on question 10, your mind starts to wander and there's other things going on. You think about the next meeting that you've got. So you really have to be present and concentrate in that meeting. Um, And when you're having those creative ideas, so if the client's, you know, I need to create this new sales page. And you're like, oh, I've got eight different ideas that I can do that. And you, you're you already in your mind building that page up, already thinking how it's going to be done, but the client's still talking. So you've got to really have a way to let the client talk, still think of those ideas, think of the follow-up questions, then review which question's coming next. Is it going to feel like a natural lead on to the next question? Are we going off on a tangent? Do we need to bring the meeting back to the original question? And how am I going to loop all of that? whilst also thinking about, you know, what am I having for dinner? There's all these other things that are going on that you have to really be present and try and concentrate for that half an hour or an hour because you might only get that once a month, right, with that client. So I think there's just sort of little tips in the book just how to try and be present and navigate your way around. And one may just be to ask the client to pause while you make notes and you're just having this really creative thought in your mind and you just really want to go down a bit of a rabbit hole with that whilst and and just pause the client from talking and then go back to them and maybe say you've got that idea or I'll follow it back up with you at a later date but yeah I think also I've noticed for me especially is that when I have these meetings I do get drained really quickly Um, and I think a lot of us in our industry we chose this industry maybe because we don't have to speak to people that often because maybe we're a bit more introverted than extroverted right so when we do talk and have these presentations, they can drain us quite a lot. So there's, um, you know, we have to, like you said, you have to recover. You've got to debrief and delegate and think about um, who these things have got to go to. So, yeah, having a good space in between meetings is a very good idea and being prepared is a very good idea as well. So just, just uh, there's one other thing I want to, I want to talk to you about, and this kind of loops back to some of the themes of the book as well about having, uh, having a, a good brief. Um, because the, the brief ultimately becomes the thing that you can refer back to time and time again throughout the life cycle of the project. Um, so the, the, the thing that I wanted to mention was one of my favorite memories of 
being in like being an employee in an agency is we used to have this creative breakout space in uh, in the agencies I worked in and basically whenever a, a big project came in a project that that kind of warranted a a, a different creative approach you know so, something that was something that was going to be a little a little special let's say we'd we'd literally we'd take the phone off the hook we'd get a number of people together maybe even all of us I, I do remember literally the whole agency spending like an hour together in these in these breakout spaces and we'd say right this is the challenge this is the brief this is what we're going to do and for the next 60 minutes no idea is a bad idea so mm. we'll just just whatever you know i was a developer at the time so i i didn't really have a lot to do with design but actually for me being able to break out of my day-to-day -day routine and get involved in something and and pitch some ideas in and just my different way of thinking about it to somebody else's start even if even if what i came up with wasn't the finished idea what i said might trigger somebody else to think of something and and then you know well so how does that fit into the brief oh well yeah that that might be a a, a good idea and after, after like 30 or 45 minutes we'd end up with these we used to use flip charts all the time and mm. stick them into paper up around the wall and eventually a designer would go away and they'd have all of this stuff to go through but it only works the reason i'm mentioning all of that is it only works if somebody can say pull these different people together and say right this is the brief this is what we're trying to achieve for this client. You've never heard of them before. I had a meeting with them yesterday. This is what we're trying to achieve. How can we approach this? And mm. um, so there's, it, it's the importance of the brief, but it's it's also the, sometimes you need to break up the monotony of what you're doing. It, it's, you know, work can become like a treadmill and that doesn't keep, that's not good for anybody. It doesn't keep ideas fresh. It doesn't keep productivity up. It, uh, it, gets your mental health down you know your mood your mood deflates mm -hmm. and actually having space to break out and if you're working on your own that might mean you know what i'm going to get go away from my my office and i'm going to go and sit and work in a coffee shop for a morning because yeah, i, I yeah. need to focus on this leave the yeah. phone at home so that you're not going to mm -hmm. be distracted uh, whatever yeah. it might be but find those pockets of space for the creativity to happen but having that brief allows that creativity to be grounded so you know it's productive work yeah exactly it's a really good point and um i'm working with an agency called uic digital um and i'm like a lead ux designer there as well and we have this whole department called uic labs and it's just dedicated to saying okay there's this problem anyone in the company is invited and let's just have this crazy brainstorm and try and get everyone from different walks of life, from different countries, from anywhere and say, let's, let's just discuss it. And you can see the excitement is like palpable. People are really eager to get an idea across as, oh, someone's going to listen to me. Finally, I can, I can speak my mind in this safe place. Like no idea is a bad idea. And they might've been sitting on this idea for years. Right. And they just want to bring it out because they never had the confidence to or whatever. And it's kind of cathartic for them to just, bring this idea out and if we love the idea like you said you can run with it and the designer can go off and create what they need to but without the objective or the challenge or the problem that you're trying to solve it's just hot air and ideas right if there's an actual problem that we've got to solve then i think that's when you can be most creative because the problem 
may have been looked at by the client or by yourself just in this very particular way. But when you get other people to look at this problem um, from different walks of life and different experiences, then they'll come up with all these ideas that you never thought of. And yeah, so I think that is um, just doing those brainstorms is is a really good idea. So I think I think we're coming to a good place to kind of wrap this episode up. There are certain things that I was going to ask that I haven't asked, but actually I'm not going to ask them. So it's things like, you know, let, let, let's talk through some of the key parts of a web design brief. But actually, you know what? Two things. Firstly, it's in your book. So I don't want you to, yeah, I don't want you to be giving your book away. And secondly, you do have a website, don't you, that's set up about this. And there's a whole load of resources and blogs and articles and stuff on there that, that, take some of the concepts of the book and make them a, a little more um real world i suppose other other ways of looking at it that you didn't actually get into print yeah yeah exactly that and there's some resources like you said there's other books out there to read um that i recommend hey, you're here to sell yours don't mention those <laughs> yeah, <I know>. but uh, <laughs> it's just the journey right it's just i you know i think reading's great and just um as much resource as you can get so um yeah, I'm hoping that this book will just help people as another resource that they can just really easily pick up. You know, it could be five minutes on the train. It could be half an hour before bed. It's just getting the mind working and thinking in a particular a particular way. Um, and it should, you know, it's got an index that where you can just pick up and go to a chapter and put it down. And go, Oh, that's a good idea. And then just use that. You know, it's not meant to be a big corporate book that's very heavy to read it should be quite light and um and easy to go but yeah there's there's links to that you, you do have you do have a very good point there which is that i've seen a transcript of matt's book now i i must admit i was i was very honored to see a transcript that was written before print um which i can't say about many books but one of the things that I was very impressed with was the way, I mean, it does, it reads very well. I'm, I'm not taking away from, from any of that at all. But the fact that you can, you can read it from cover to cover if you want to have, uh, if you want to get a, a good understanding of it. But actually it does work really well as a reference book. So just mm. having that index at the back and, you know, thinking, oh, I, I need some help with this right now, flicking through to the right page. And you know what, within, within, three or four minutes of reading the right few pages you've got you've got that nugget of information out of the book works really well as well so it's how to take a web design brief the web address is uh, webdesignbrief.com off the top of my head yeah. um and uh, where's where is the book how can people get hold of the book if they want their own copy? yeah so it's on amazon at the minute um you can buy a paperback or you can buy it on kindle um and that's the main yeah the main place we've got it at the minute cool i gotta say i've 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 never been a massively big reader and when mm. i used to commute i used to listen to a lot of audiobooks because uh, i had the time in the car but working from home you, you don't really you don't really get that so i i've recently since last summer last summer i actually read two books on holiday on the same holiday oh, i i've good. i, I my, my wife didn't really know what to what what to make of it she's like i hadn't seen me read a book in years and then all of a sudden i've literally she couldn't I could get my nose out of these books. Um, but I really have discovered again the the value of actually owning a physical physical book. It's not just about consuming the consuming the information. It's the fact that it sits there on the shelf afterwards. If I if I need to know something again, I can go back to it and flick to the appropriate section and reread it, which you're not going to do with an audiobook 
so much. Um, never been a massive Kindle user, so I don't, I don't really know whether you do yeah. that or not on a Kindle. But I, I, I really value the um, the the actual physical item, the, the tangible yeah. thing. Again, I, so. I think it's nice, like you said, as a resource. But you can make notes in it, and that can trigger other ideas as well. And you can kind of go back to it, and you can put bookmarks in certain pages where you want to go back and just develop yourself a bit from that. So yeah, for sure, I think a, a printed book has a has a really good use still. So go and grab a copy on Amazon. I'll put a link to to it in the show notes. Uh, obviously, that'll send you off to your own version of Amazon if you're in a different country. And uh, and Matt, before we say goodbye, if somebody wants to connect with you um, uh, after they've bought your book, obviously, because um, I'm mm-hmm. assuming everybody that listens to this will then go and buy a copy before they do anything else. Of course. Um, <laughs> uh, how, what, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Which, which social media platforms are you active on? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, LinkedIn and Instagram. If we could put some links on there, that would be great. Absolutely. Yeah, and love to hear from people, for sure. Fantastic. Well, look, mate, it's been a blast uh, talking to you. Um, as I say, it's now... Uh, nearly 4 a.m. in the States, so Jeff will still be in bed. And uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, gr- been great to have you. I hope your first podcast interview hasn't been terrible. That's been <laughs> and... great. It's, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> Surprised. And, uh, yeah, it'd be, uh, it'd be great to, uh, you know, great to see people get their hands on the resource you've created because it, it really could be really valuable yeah uh, to them thank you thanks for listening all the notes will be in the show notes and if i don't see you in the show notes i will see you in the next episode the wp seo show is brought to you by seo hive your agency's proactive white label seo partner we understand that finding a reliable seo supplier is key to ensuring you build stable monthly recurring revenue into your digital agency At SEO Hive, we have a suite of products that will help you sell, scale and deliver your monthly SEO retainers, from our scout reports and one-off technical boosters, to our flagship local SEO and honeypot plans, all of which have clear pricing and monthly deliverables. If you want to explore how SEO Hive can help your agency deliver high-quality and reliable SEO agreements for your clients, you can find more information at seohive.co and schedule a call to discuss the next steps.